Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. During the holidays, we visited the family and they have a great Christmas tradition that on Christmas Eve, the kids aren't allowed to open the gifts before 12 o'clock, the stroke of midnight, because then it's Christmas Day and then you can open your gifts, right? The thing is, like, with all the family and all the excitement and the whole day of everybody visiting together, 12 o'clock at night is a long, long way away. And so the anticipation and the waiting and, man, the kids just can't stand it. You see them walking up to the tree, looking at the gifts, touching the gifts, smelling the gifts, hanging around the gifts when nobody else is around and making sure that theirs is in the front so that, you know, it can come out first, you know, and not last. This week, we are celebrating Palm Sunday and there's great anticipation because next weekend, is Easter Sunday. And Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, which is pretty much the cornerstone of our Christian faith. The week between Palm Sunday and and Resurrection Sunday or or Easter Sunday uh, is the week that Jesus was betrayed, where he was arrested, where he was crucified, and then ultimately the celebration of him being resurrected. And um, so there's great anticipation when it comes to this day, Palm Sunday, of what is going to happen in the rest of the week. Back on the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday, when when Jesus was walking with his disciples, he was approaching Jerusalem. And on that day, he asked his disciples to go and find him a donkey. And the crowd found out that Jesus was coming. Jesus got on the donkey, and as he rode into the city, the people, the crowd, just surrounded him. They were singing his praises. They were laying their garments down in the street, uh, putting, cutting off palm branches and laying them in the street, waving them in the air. There was a great excitement in the city, right before the city, and even as they entered the city, as the people sang, and there was this great celebration and anticipation. The, the, the crowd was feeling that something big was about to happen this week. Uh, they knew that God was up to something. They weren't sure what, though. Let's read the, the account from the book of Luke. After telling this story, Jesus went to, on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of these disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, they were, and as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. 
Now, Jesus was very well known by this time. And everybody who came to the Passover celebration, which was what was going to be celebrated in Jerusalem that week, everybody knew about him. Everybody had heard about him, heard about the miracles that he's done, about the wonders, about the healings that happened in his ministry. And so Jesus was so well known that when one of his disciples took a donkey, the simple answer of the Lord needs it was good enough. Luke continues. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the mountain of, down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Now, this praising and shouting uh, connects to a lot of what happens in the Old Testament. There's only two occasions, really, where the Jewish people would sing praises and wave palm branches around. Uh, the one was the festival of tabernacles. This happened in the autumn. Um, the other one was, it's called a perusia. It is it's this procession or when a king or a ruler comes back from a victory and they would sing and they would praise this king, this victorious king, this triumphant king, by waving their palm branches, by singing and, and, and singing him and, and leading him into the city. This obviously happened over the Passover time. And Passover in Jerusalem is springtime. Now, these parades um, in the city of Jerusalem hasn't happened for a long, long time. And so this just points once again to the great anticipation of what's happening around Jesus at this stage. The people of Jerusalem was sorely looking for liberation from their oppressors. And they were trusting God for a Messiah, for a king to come, to liberate them from the Romans who were treating them like absolute trash. Now, Jesus was making all the right noises. He was continually speaking about this kingdom of God that he has come to establish. He spoke about himself as the son of man and and, and his life and his ministry was fulfilling Old Testament scripture and prophecy all over the place, all of the time. So this really stirred the pot of excitement. This really got people looking and thinking that this might just be it. But the people were looking for a political leader. Now, when Jesus makes all the right noises, when they see him come in, when the whole city is excited, the people get caught up in the moment and they sing with and they lay their clothes down and they wave their palm branches and they are start singing <laughs> Hosanna in the highest to the king. Uh, Hosanna simply means save us, save us now, please save us now. And they're singing it to a king. So they're calling Jesus their king at this stage. And it connects so well with the rest of the scripture that says, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now this being Jesus, 
uh, it wouldn't be normal for him to arrive and do everything that people expected. No, he always did things a little bit differently. See, Jesus rides into the city on a donkey. Now, a horse, that's a war animal. A, a, war, a horse is a, is a symbol of war, is a symbol of power, is a symbol of might. A donkey, well, that's a draft animal. It, it's good for carrying goods. It's good for carrying your wife when she's tired of walking. Why would a king be on a donkey? But it's one of the details that the people in the crowd at that stage, they kind of skim over. But it's an important detail because Jesus is trying to say that things aren't quite what they seem. He also does this and, and he fulfills the scripture in Zechariah that says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble riding on a donkey, on a donkey's, riding on a donkey's colt. See, this is just another way where Jesus is flipping the script <laughs> of what power means, of what weakness means, of what he deems powerful and strong and worthwhile and valuable in his kingdom. But at this stage, the crowd isn't catching it. They are caught up in the moment. They are, say, they are singing, effectively, King, save us now. Now, if you're a Roman official or if you're a Jewish official in this province of Judea, which is a Roman outpost, uh, this is concerning. Uh, somebody being ushered into the city, into a main city, uh, being called King, uh, that really pushes all the wrong buttons. And so it, it put Jesus on the map <laughs> for them for all the wrong reasons because at festival times it was also a great time for rebellions to arise once again the crowd was looking for a political leader now jesus wasn't there to run the country jesus wasn't there to run the romans out of the country no jesus was there to win a victory over sin and death. Jesus was there so that Paul could later write this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was there to win that victory over death so that there would be no more sting in death, so that there would no, be no more power of sin over his followers. Now, in the excitement, in the rush of the day, a lot of important details kind of got lost to the crowd. And so often we lose a lot of important details about what God has for us and how God wants us to live in the excitement of the day in the anticipation of things that might be. You see, one of the main things that the people missed on that day was that Jesus came to bring them peace and not to overthrow Rome. Paul writes, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God 
because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You see, Jesus didn't come to bring peace as in the absence of war. No, he, he came to bring peace as in the wholeness and completeness and the restoration of his people. That was way more important than seeing his people rule and reign over another country. And wholeness and completeness, that is real peace. That means that we can be at peace with ourselves, no matter what the circumstances might be around us. You see, that peace, when we experience it, it goes so far beyond us. It, it can't be contained inside of us. It affects those around us. And on and on and on. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus wanted for his people. Not the absence of war. Not the absence of hard times. But that they would influence all the world by the peace that he would bring them. You see, we often ask for peace. We ask for peace to replace fear. We ask for peace to replace anxiety. We ask for peace to replace depression in our lives. We ask for peace so that us, we can handle our circumstances better. A good example is uh, we ask for peace so that we can go into the boardroom and, and nail that presentation so that all the people can grovel at our feet and look at the wonder and might of who we are as we rule and reign over the boardroom because we had peace when we brought the presentation. That's not for a second what Jesus is talking about when he speaks about bringing us peace. No, he, he speaks about wholeness and restoration. He, he speaks about a wholeness and a restoration so that you and I can serve others like he came to serve others and to change the world, to influence the world around us for Christ. Another place where the people of the day got it wrong a little bit was their anticipation of what victory Jesus brought. They were definitely celebrating a victorious king that day. That was their heart. That was their anticipation. And Jesus was a victorious king, definitely. But not in the way that they thought. You see, they thought that Jesus would win a victory over Rome and that they then could rule and reign over the Romans with power and health and wealth for the rest of their days. But that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to establish a political kingdom. No, he wanted that completeness. Jesus offered them an eternal spiritual kingdom. He, he didn't want to overthrow Rome. No, he wanted to overthrow the power of sin and the power of death in their lives so that they could live in the freedom that he bought for them. See, in the week following Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it was kind of like he, he, he made sure that they got it, but they didn't. You see, Jesus uh, went into the temple and he, he threw over the money changers' tables and he called them, uh, or, or he said that they had turned the temple into a den of thieves because those people were extorting money from sincere worshippers. Jesus had all these parables lined up 
to tell during this week, aimed at the very people who, who either wanted to follow Jesus for personal gain or had all these doubts and worries that Jesus would come and, and change the status quo and, and put them out of power. And Jesus was exactly about that. Not the power, but the serving. And they didn't like that at all. So, after Jesus humiliated the religious leaders one more time, they started devising a plan because they realized that this crowd loves Jesus. We can't just arrest him in the daylight. They devised a plan to capture him, to get him arrested, to falsely accuse him. And then, most importantly, to turn the very crowd that sang Jesus into Jerusalem, to get that crowd that sang, King, save us now, to make that crowd scream at the top of their lungs, crucify him, crucify him. They lied to them. They got them to change their tune in the matter of a week. Now, there's a great caution in this tale for us. See, this crowd, they wanted Jesus to save them on their terms. They wanted Jesus to save them for their terms, for what they wanted. They wanted him to win a victory, like I said earlier, so that they can rule and reign over their oppressors with, with power and wealth and health and might. But that's not what Jesus came to save us from. No, you see, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God and to make us ambassadors of his kingdom, to make us, to make us agents of his change, agents of his peace in this world. You see, in his kingdom, there is freedom from sin. There is wholeness in families. There is wholeness in relationships, and there is grace instead of vengeance. Jesus called these folks to a life of worship, and they started well. On Sunday, in the triumphant entry, on Palm Sunday, where they sang, they sang his praises. They worshipped Jesus. But in a matter of a week, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. You see, it's because Worship isn't just a once-off event. No, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is something that we do every single day of our lives. It's a choice that we make over and over and over again. And so, Jesus was asking them to have that worship, to have that lifestyle, impact the way that they live every single day that it impacts who they become, that it impacts who they're influenced by, that it impacts how they work, who they work for, who they marry, how they spend their resources, how they love, who they become, who they raise their kids to be, that it even influences what they value and how they value it. You see, when we, we look at Christ for all that he can offer us, then we're taking Jesus and we're saying, you will be a great add-on to my life. I need the benefits that you have for me. 
The problem is that Jesus isn't always, I don't believe that Jesus is at all willing to come along for the ride. But the fact is that God invites us into his story. You see, he says, bring all that you have to me. Hand it over to me. He realizes that we are only broken bits, that there's only bits and pieces of us. But he is so willing to take that, to refine that, to build that into what he originally intended. You see, all our little, all our little bits is exactly what God needs to put us back together, to make us whole, to make us complete in Christ. So there is this personal responsibility to following God. It's not just a once-off singing the king into, into, the, into the city. No, there is a following. There is a worshiping, a continual thing that we do, a continual choice that we make. What are those choices that we need to make? Well, firstly, to put God in the center, to, to not make ourselves the center of attention, no, but to make God the center of attention. Once again, the people in the city had it right on Palm Sunday. They lost it somewhere in the week. So often we have it right one day a week and we lose it somewhere along the line and we become the center again. Jesus calls us to know God and make him known. How do We so often say that in this church, that we love God, we love people, and we make a difference. We know God and we make him known. It's as simple as that. And that's what our lives are called to in Christ, is that we read our Bibles, we pray every day, we praise God, and that, that peace and that, that love and that, that excitement spills over into the world around us. So we get to know God better and we get to know ourselves better and we get to love better. And those people who we love will get to know God and love better and love God better and love their families better. And it's just this perpetual motion that changes the world. But it all starts with making God the center, making Jesus Lord and Savior of our lives. See, Savior alone means that I've added Jesus for the benefits that he has for me. <laughs> and nothing else really matters. When I make him Lord, I say, Jesus, I have this problem. What would you do? Jesus, I have this family member. What would you do? Jesus, I have this business decision. What would you do? Jesus, I want to marry this girl. What would you do? And we continually ask him first and before we even get the answer from him we say yes i'll do that now to some of us that might sound a little presumptuous <laughs> but on palm sunday the crowd knew they were anticipating something great was about to happen and they were right jesus was about to go through the most horrible thing that any human can go through. But at the end of it, God would raise him from the dead and he would win a victory over sin and death. And that means that we can trust God, that he knows best, that he knows before we've said yes to, or before we've even asked him, 
what the best laid plans are for us. And so in our anticipation of what God can do for us, let us not miss what we can do for God, how we can bring ourselves, hand it over to Him and say, Lord, have your way in us. So today, Palm Sunday, there is great reason for anticipation. There is excitement over the victory that Jesus has won for us and the peace that He brings into our lives. But there is also a knowledge of the responsibility that we have to continually turn over the parts of our hearts that, I want to say this, there are parts of our hearts that might be shouting, crucify Him, because I don't like it when He points that out. Today, can I ask, will you have the courage to hand over all of you and tomorrow to do it again and the day after that to do it again until there is no other part of us that says, crucify Him, but till the day that all of us says, Hosanna, save me, please now, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us through your word. We thank you, Lord, that when we hand ourselves over to you, we are in the best hands possible. Lord, we pray for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, Lord, as we figure out this life of faith with you, as we figure out what it means to be your followers, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we are safe in you that you have the best laid plans for us and that it is way beyond what we can ever think or imagine. Lord, thank you for the courage that you give us to make good decisions, to make godly decisions as we over and over and over again come to you and say, Lord, have your way in us. Lord, show us how on a daily basis. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.